0: In this episode of the 4 Evansville podcast, we're talking about the topic of trustworthiness. People say that they uh, trust Jesus, but they're not sure if they trust the church. And this is a little bit of a longer episode, but this is what our brains are like when we're in the office and we all get to talking about these topics. Uh, We hope that you find something useful and valuable, and we'd love to hear from you uh, as you're exploring these things. And again, we're not experts on any of these topics. We just think that they're conversations that we should all be having, and we're excited to be joining with you.
1: Welcome to the For Evansville podcast. I'm Adrian. I'm here with Jonathan and Sarah. and as you said before, our guests are each other. So I- way to say it. yeah, so oh, I like I like that, so we're gonna stick with that. We're exploring building trust and relevance of the local church. All of this is based on a Barna study and the local faith and flourishing study that Welburn did. Um, so we're just to look at some stats and discuss those.
2: Yeah. I think in general, um, episodes like this and this this kind of conversations piece that we're trying um, is really kind of motivated by, I think all three of us would say that one of the things we like most about doing the work that we do is that these topics kind of like come up more frequently. And so this is an opportunity not for us to share like our expert opinions on them, but... I don't know that I would even be having these specific conversations if it weren't for the opportunity to focus day-to-day on advancing human flourishing through the church and helping um, local church communities think about how they can better serve the city of Evansville. And obviously, if that's something we're trying to do, this idea of trustworthiness is really, really important (laughs) because… Uh, we often say that trust is kind of like the foundation of collaboration, and that um, somebody says collaboration moves at the speed of trust. I, I hear people say that a lot in our community. I don't know who said it first, but
1: probably Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something Ross is doing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <makes> so, nice. <laughs> uh, so that's that's really important. But also, if we're looking at data and research and feedback from people and finding that. Um, people don't find a lot of trust in the church, that kind of also highlights something that there's probably some kind of problem there to be addressed or explored as well.
1: Yeah, and I think part of this is looking at the Barna study, which is a national study, and comparing it to the Faith and Flourishing study, which is an Evansville five-counties specific Mm -hmm. survey, and they're finding the same thing, then, yeah. Then we know that that affects us, and we need to talk about it.
2: Yeah, the Faith and Flourishing Study has a lot of information in it. It's yeah. a five county study that was commissioned by the Welburn Baptist Foundation, and lots of really great information and learning about kind of just what are people's general perspectives of Christianity, of faith and religion in general. What are their habits related to? Um, how they might practice their faith. We really kind of poured over this report and found a lot of value in it. But I think one of the main takeaways for us was this trust deficit that appeared in the study. So walk us through like what that looks like.
0: Yeah, and I think what's interesting that we always want to talk when we talk about this study is that 83% of people um, in our region identify as having some sort of faith, identify as Christians. About half of that group um, would be considered uh, practicing and committed Christians. And there's information and data about what that means. Um, but I think really understanding that was important for us as an organization to know that, mm-hmm. hey, this is who we're talking to, and we talk to people in the city, um, that there's some sort of background or understanding about what faith is, what Christianity is. Um, and 83% of people would say, oh, yeah, that's me. Um, mm-hmm. Which is really high, uh, seems yeah. like. Because, really high, yeah. uh, at least it did seem to me. Um, But one of the questions that I, the first time I saw this, I thought, man, this is really telling. Uh, They asked a question of, in my opinion, the Christian churches, and then they have four categories, welcoming, trustworthy, a community Mm -hmm. asset, and relevant. Uh, For non-Christians, 16% said it was trustworthy, Mm -hmm. which we're not super surprised by that. Um, But even people who are Christians, only 78% said it was trustworthy. Uh, I think there's just something really interesting. And then uh, All Resonance uh, was about 70%. So um, that's really fascinating when you think about the idea of like, these are people who are saying, hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure that the Christian church is a place that I trust. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too, um, whenever you think about those categories side by side, the three that ranked higher than trustworthiness to me and I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on this. To me, I feel like I hear um, churches it be intentional about those things. And like, you know, I've been on a church staff and part of church leadership, and those are things that we think about intentionally. Like, do people feel welcome when they come to into our church? Like, that's something that's important that we're putting effort into. Is our church relevant? Are, are people? who are coming to this church feeling like it connects with their everyday life and their experiences? Um, and then is our church a community asset? Would people in the community say, I'm glad that that church is here because I see the value that they bring. I haven't had a lot of conversations within the church about, man, how do, do we feel like people trust us? And have we taken an assessment of that? And are we, and are we being intentional? And what, what do you even do to be intentional about bu- building trust? So I think it's a kind of an important conversation to dive into partially because I don't know that it's on everybody's radar even. It certainly wasn't on mine before this. I think so, this.
0: sometimes, well, I definitely, I think it was something I was thinking about because I've been in situations where I'm like, man, I'm losing trust in mm-hmm. leadership and um, uh, more on like a, a grand scale, you know, it's yeah. these, these things, these stories we hear of, um, you know, just things not being handled in, in correct ways and the ways right. that information is not coming out in correct ways or it feels like ways that we just don't know. But I think what's interesting, too, is that we have a limited perspective of what that looks like for us. And so there's probably a lot of perspectives to understand. Right. But also, I think some people would look at this and say, oh, well, that's good because we're saying something that. That they don't understand. And so they almost look like it's a badge of honor, maybe. And mm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm curious if what you guys think mm. about that. Um, if maybe a church is like, oh, they don't trust me. Well, it's because they don't understand what I'm saying. And so I think sometimes it, maybe churches would look at that, and I'd say institutional churches would look at that and say, they just don't understand what we're trying to say. Interesting. Or they don't trust the gospel, not that they don't trust
1: me, but they don't trust the Bible yeah. or, you know, the relevancy of it. Well, in a previous episode, we we talked about Americans losing trust in general. So I right. think that that has a part to play in it, that Americans are just generally untrustworthy. They're, they distrust first and then— mm-hmm.
2: They yeah. have to be convinced or you have yeah. to earn people's You trust.
1: have to earn people's trust, whereas that has flipped— from the past where you trust someone until they prove that that they're not trustworthy, but now they have to prove it to even gain. So I think that bleeds in right. churches. Um, but I think that there is something kind of specific yeah. that we can we can look into.
2: I think that general lack of trust is is really good to draw out, but also general lack of trust in institutions as well, that people's yes. trust in like institutions that used to just kind of be trusted by default, like, oh, that's a church, I my default is to have a higher level of trust because churches have like a certain reputation or status in our community, that right. that seems to have declined, not just for religious institutions, but for institutions in general, people are saying, corporations, um, you know, governments, religious institutions, we're more likely to be skeptical in those things than right. we ever have been.
1: And so that's what I say on the on the Barnes study on a more national level, I think these kind of overarching stats are interesting that I want to talk with you guys about of 71% of Americans have a positive opinion of Jesus so they think that Jesus is a positive influence um and but then only 57% have a positive opinion of christianity and it keeps dropping <laughs> 47% have a positive opinion of churches and then 44% positive of pastors so it's like as it gets narrower mm-hmm. then they keep they lose trust so something about Jesus is trustworthy to them but they're also i say people are 74% of adults want to grow spiritually and 77% say that they believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. So those are those are big stats, but as the survey s- says, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sur- survey says, says, says <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: that That's Jesus people are interested in faith, spirituality.
0: Right. That's
1: on the rise. Um, and so we're What role can the church play in meeting people in the middle?
2: Mm -hmm. Where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. As you were talking about how trust kind of declines as you become more narrowly focused, like Christianity has more trust than the church. Church has more trust than um, pastors. I, I like to think anytime I'm reading survey data, I just I like to think about the individual survey respondent and their right. experience as they're reading questions and thinking through things. And so, I think about like whenever you say Christianity, a, an individual person might think of Christianity and say, "Okay, I know of some people who are Christians who I do trust, but I also know of some who I wouldn't." Um, churches, okay. I know some people who go to church who I trust, but I also know of some who I wouldn't. And then, like, whenever you get to the level of pastors, I think people have got to have in mind like, there are a lot of really high profile um, stories of pastors and church leaders um, just really betraying the trust of the communities that they're a part of and that they're leading. And uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily say in the study that that's a major factor, but to me that seems like that would be what I would expect is really contributing to that. And uh, I think it would be easy for like a local church leader in a local congregation to just kind of dismiss um, those that information and say like, well, yeah, that's I understand why people lack that trust, but that's not our church church and the people who are in our church like know that um that the church leaders here are not that way they're not the same as right these national like high profile people but
1: but then people on the outside don't have that perspective right so if you want people to come to your church
2: yeah or if you want to be engaged in the community through like partnerships or Again, we're doing a lot to build school partnerships right now within the School Partnership Network, and we've had folks on the school side uh, approach us and say, hey, um, this church is interested in partnering with our school. Can you help us understand if they're a church that we can trust as a partner? Um, And so recognizing that skepticism is sort of the default position of most people, I guess raises the question like, how can churches, not just pastors, but churches in general, be intentional about meeting people where they are in their skepticism and saying, hey, that skepticism is maybe not unwarranted because there have been some pretty disappointing examples um, that illustrate maybe you shouldn't just blindly trust the church. Maybe you shouldn't just blindly trust, um, church leaders because they have that title. Um, so I guess what does it take to earn somebody's trust?
1: Well, I wanted to just piggyback off of, of what you were saying of understanding reasons, because that was one of the points that the Barna study pulled out and they oh, said okay. it's important to understand a non-Christians reasons for doubting Christianity if Christians want to share their faith or welcome people into churches. Because as Christians, we may have assumptions Mm -hmm. of, oh, they don't believe the Bible, they believe in science or whatever. But really what they're finding is it's actually, people doubt faith um, or doubt Christianity or doubt Jesus because of the hypocrisy of religious people. That's the number one Hmm. reason science and human suffering and all those fall below that. Sure. So, it's like when you are engaging with a non-Christian, it's more important to listen, you know, understand their story, listen first, and meet them where they're at. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that sounds a little bit like approaching it as a matter of relationship before approaching the matter of like, do we agree or disagree? And like, what's your worldview? Yeah. and. That feels like a much more human way of approaching things to recognize like everybody has a perspective on like what they believe about the world and like major questions that we all wonder about. Um, But before jumping into those conversations and even considering that, that's not what makes you trust somebody. Yeah, Like there are people who would agree with me on a lot of things that I would believe and I still wouldn't trust them, you know because trust isn't built on like, what do you believe about the world? It's built on like, what kind of character do you have? And what's your track record of how you treat people?
1: Yeah, and even when I think about how I was raised to think about evangelism, that is sharing Jesus with people. I'm gonna point people to Jesus, share the gospel with them. And while that is obviously extremely important, it's like, well, these people actually trust Jesus. They think he's a, at least he th- they think he's a good person. They, you know, have a positive view of him, but that's not what's holding them back. Yeah. It's something not have to
2: convince else. them yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: I think something too, when you think about, Jonathan asked the question of like, what makes someone trustworthy? What makes you trust people? And then you said that, you know, having a track record, but I think seeing over time, it takes time to build trust yeah, yeah. it takes an instant to 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 lose
2: to it. destroy it. yeah,
0: and then how do you is it possible to even rebuild it? And so I think um in the faith and flourishing co- study that they did, this wasn't specifically on trustworthiness, but I think it's categories that you're seeing that some people in different generations said were important and were not important. And I think these are things that could contribute to that. So I'm just going to read those yeah. sure. real yeah. quickly. um that church should be a good example of their faith. That churches should promote social justice issues. Uh, that the the value in the church. Uh, there's value in church collaborating with other churches of the same faith to help meet needs in their community. Uh, that there's value in churches collaborating with other churches of different faiths to meet to meet needs in their community. And that the role of influencing politics should be relatively low importance for churches. So, uh, pulling a couple of things out of there, I would say conversations and topics that churches are talking about. Hmm. Can sometimes be just met with controversy or maybe with um, not having a full picture of the whole conversation that maybe that they're starting and so that creates spaces for people to lose trust yeah. um, because that maybe they don't feel like they can have a conversation with ever who's leading that um, but I, th- I think the politics one it was like really really low for every yeah. generation like right. Gen X like 0% like which means that probably they didn't even answer that question mm. um, Gen Z and boomer they're saying that churches should not have any like political stance? It should be low importance,
1: low importance.
0: Um, I, I don't think there. Uh, I guess I can't answer that. But then, elder generations, which are people born before 41 forty-five, forty-one percent—that's the highest. Mm-hmm. Um, but every other generation was like thirty percent or lower.
2: Yeah. Um, and doesn't the the wording there is something like influencing politics, right? That the idea is what what's the church
0: politics? To do? Yeah, should yeah. be of relatively importance for churches. That's yeah. a good point because again, like that's something that if people have an opinion on and we're hearing all these different spaces we talked about trustworthiness in a previous episode like Mm -hmm. who do we trust where's that coming from you know we're writing that information and people are saying we're not sure that the church is the place but they're still saying Jesus is Mm -hmm. so how are they getting that yeah where's that coming from I think that's fascinating
2: yeah our tendency to distrust comes from a suspicion of ulterior motives right and so whenever we think about politics it's like okay You're saying that your um, goal is for me to grow in my relationship with Jesus, to experience life and hope and love in Jesus. But you're talking a lot about your political preference. And so whether that's motivating you or not, it's easy for somebody on the outside to look at that and say, It feels like you're just trying to manipulate me to be on your team, to vote the way you want me to vote, that you're trying to accumulate power for yourself and influence for yourself and make the world the way that you want it to be, in a way that's favorable to you. I think it builds a lot of trust whenever a Christian or a Christian community is able to truly demonstrate that you are for the good of somebody else. Mm. That you're able to really do like the word says and um, follow Christ's example of humbling yourself, taking on the form of a servant, considering other people more important than yourself instead of fighting for your own rights and prioritizing what's best for you over everybody else. And that's not to say that there's no place for conversations about things like, religious freedom or for christians to be engaged in conversations about people's rights and politics and stuff like that but when it's clear that the motivation is self-serving i think that trust takes a hit
1: when you said like where's the disconnect if people are trusting in jesus but not the church yeah like how does that happen where's the disconnect so one of the questions I want to ask is so does that mean church does not look like Jesus? Ooh. <laughs> and
2: what do got, you do about that?
1: Yeah. How's that gone wrong? What do you do about yeah. that? How can churches
0: reflect Jesus were yeah. like that's a big big question. I feel like that's the question that a lot of churches are all trying to answer and they're saying that we're doing that and yeah. other churches are not. Mm. And or or they're not doing it in the, the way that we um interpret The way that the scripture is read or or the way jesus taught these things and so that's where it gets tough i think because there's a lot of perspectives that are um are out there in the way that we interpret scripture in general or the way we talk about context and culture of the time when scripture is written and how that means for us today you know and these different types of interpretations. so i think that creates disconnect in different places so and then also what most of the time you're hearing is these most extreme views uh, are the ones that kind of get to be the loudest. And so everyone assumes that's what every person or every church, institutional church believes. And I think that's something that we're constantly trying to overcome in a sense, to be like, hey, no, we, we're, we, we don't think this, we think this, or you know, here's why. But I think being able to show people walk with them. But for me, it's always still a bit about people. It's still a bit about people. Um, Even if you know the church that I attend holds a view that I don't agree with, I know there's a group of people that we can still talk and have conversation with, and how they respond and react to me is really important for me. If I can still have a voice and say, hey, I disagree, and here's why, and I think my view is is important, I'm open to being wrong, let's have a conversation about that. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think I want to take a minute just to... defend churches and church leaders a little bit um because i've been the type of person who's just very critical of the church i grew up in the church and went through kind of a season of like man this i'm i'm feeling disappointed about the way that the church is and you know just kind of a period of like childish criticism and cynicism towards the church and then realize like oh man i don't look like jesus either you know, like I'm falling short of these standards pretty regularly and I don't know that I'm the most trustworthy person all the time. And so it's almost inevitable that people would trust Jesus more than the church because yeah. he's perfect. Correct. Right, you know, right. Um you can you can put your faith and trust in Jesus because um because he truly does love us perfectly and he truly yeah. does put The interest of others first and um, the reality is if we expect the church to do that as well as Jesus then we're always going to be disappointed and so I think it's what we're striving for what we should be striving for as a community of people following Jesus is um, much less about how can we achieve perfection and more about how can we just be honest with where we're at, and how can we depend on Jesus to be more like Him, and and genuinely strive for that? Because I think, I think sometimes we look at this issue of trustworthiness, and we feel like we've got to cover up all of our mistakes, and and because people because trust in the church is at an all time low. Whenever somebody messes up, we've got to cover it up because it's going to damage this reputation even further. And I think what actually builds trust much more is whenever we, whenever we act like we really believe what we say we believe, and when uh, when we put into practice our faith in the grace of Jesus, and we say we're gonna be a community of people that um, is quick to repent when we mess things up. I think that builds trust much more than, much more than never injuring somebody in a relationship. Being quick to repent and make it right actually builds trust much quicker. If, If I've never had conflict with somebody, there's a certain level of like, yeah, I've had a good experience with them, but if somebody's really messed up in their relationship with me, But then they recognized it and they truly made it right. And that man, I trust them even more because now I know um, it's inevitable that they're going to let me down. But now I know that they're going to make it right and I know how they're going to respond when that happens.
1: Yeah. And like very simple terms, it's would you rather be around somebody who hides their flaws or humbly admits? them and
2: asks for help right walking through that right and if you're looking for a church where nobody has flaws then you're not going to find it
0: right so you just end up at different places i sent this we talked about this i sent this to our team a couple weeks ago i'm not gonna read the whole thing but talking about community Mm -hmm. uh specifically and saying in any kind of community we face the intoxicating temptation of an idolized illusion we fail to account for sin brokenness and limitations and then the last line of the whole thing says a realistic awareness and appraisal of our personal limitations must happen to the church. Without this, we set ourselves up for unrealistic expectations that can never be fulfilled, and we will demand of our human relationships what only God provides. Mm-hmm. And when you're just talking about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's it right there. And we think about community, but we also think about the church is the body of Christ, the people, it's not buildings, let's say that out loud. Um, Yes, those are places that you go, and oftentimes we'll use that language when we say the church. Um, Sometimes we're talking about churches as being buildings, but really it's a group of people gathering together in community. But we're always going to have human limitations Mm -hmm. that are not going to allow us to fulfill what only God can provide. So I'm glad now as we're thinking about this that people do see Jesus as trustworthy. Mm -hmm. When we stop seeing that, that's what I'm concerned.
2: Yeah. I tend to be the kind of person who always has the ideal reality in mind. Like I'm a, I'm one of those people who's always looking to like, what's the ideal version of this? And that acknowledgement that we're just human and we make mistakes can't become an excuse yeah. to just be like, well, yeah, people don't trust the church because they've been hurt by people. And that's just the reality of it. So get over it. You know, it's like um, we we have to be willing to maintain this really clear vision of what we ought to be and hold the tension between what we know we ought to be and what we really are. Like we have to be really honest about here's where we're at as people and as a community and we have to be willing to hold that tension and kind of like lament when we fall short. And I think that's what builds trust is the acknowledgement. We all know that you're broken. We all know that you're going to disappoint us and let us down. Talking about me specifically. Do you know that? (laughs) Yeah. Sarah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Whenever I think about a church building trust, it's like everybody knows you're not perfect and you're going to let them down. Do you know that? You know.
0: Do you guys have any specific stories that you don't have to give names, but like of someone doing that really well
2: one example that comes to mind for me is i was meeting with a church leader shortly after people started to get back together following covid so you know covid was just like a brutal time for uh for church leaders trying to navigate that you got people angry at you no matter what you do and like every decision is the wrong decision and all of that And so i was meeting with a church leader who became the pastor of his church like weeks before COVID started. So he's brand new in this church and then COVID happens and they're walking through that together. And I remember he told me, he said, we had a really good, uh, it was a small congregation. We had a really good conversation with our congregation recently where I stood up and I, I basically said, you know, we got through this last year and a half together um we made a lot of decisions as they came i don't know if they were all the right one Mm. you know and he just kind of acknowledged like i don't know if we did the right thing we did the best we could i don't know if all the decisions that we made were the right ones we're going to make more decisions and they're not all going to be the right ones um but let's let's just be in this together and do the best we can and i just thought that was such a good way of acknowledging like i'm not perfect i'm doing the best that i can and i need grace too you know and if you're expecting me to make the right call every time like it's just not going to happen
1: yeah i think there's a distinguishing thing for me between two pastors and one was like yes i i make a lot of mistakes i struggle with these things and you you kind of think in a way like oh they're they're building trust with me by admitting this from the stage or whatever and and you're you're drawn to that but there was no follow-up after that it was like we're all broken we all like even me and and people really latch onto that and that's great but it almost built a culture of like it's okay that we're all broken um and then being that contrasting with a leader that also admits those things, but says, like, that is why I have this person. And he might even name them from the stage of, yeah. um, and they are holding me accountable, and they are calling me every Wednesday, and they're asking me what's my next step to make this right. Yeah, and And so there's like this, yeah, we are broken people, but we have to acknowledge that we're all working mm-hmm. towards being more and more like Jesus every day. And and so that kind of distinguishing of like, I have an accountability system. That's what I think builds trust with me and pastors the most mm-hmm. is if they have an accountability system and I, I even know those people that are in his accountability
2: system. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm not just acknowledging the fact that I fall short, and that I can do some relational damage. Yeah, but I'm actually owning that and taking responsibility for it, and and trying the best that I can to make it right and to uh, kind of protect people from my own shortcomings. Yeah, and and not just saying, "Well, everybody has shortcomings," so it's not like stop getting on to me about it, you know, (laughs) leave me alone. Uh, But instead saying like, yeah, everybody's, uh, everybody falls short. I, I have the capacity recognizing that I have the ability to hurt people and I'm taking responsibility for that. And I'm going to do the best that I can to not do that. Um, I think that builds a lot of trust.
1: So I want to take, do you have one specifically that
0: you wanted to talk about? I want to take this in a different direction. No, let's go ahead. I, I have a story I can share another time, though. It's more personal.
2: Okay. Off the record. Off
0: the record. All right. Man, now <laughs> everybody's going to be like, what's that story? <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you see me out, ask me and I'll tell you. The but only, then I'll know you listen. Yeah, you have to <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so one of the things I want to talk about is
1: church unity. And if that damages trust
2: in the community. Like the lack of church unity?
1: Yes. Okay. So there's a story I have that it's still, it shook me to my core. I still think about it. I met a woman who was a Christian and then she left her faith and became Muslim. Hmm. And she said, and, and again, like, I don't know the validity of her statement, but this is what she believes. And it was when I compared the Christian church to the Muslim faith, that i could go anywhere in the world and i would have the exact same experience Mm. Uh, but christians were so just all over the place and fought for their their theology being correct or you know it became so separated she was like i it was do i choose unity or do i choose like I, I, don't have enough knowledge to know which one is the correct one. Mm. So she ended up going with the unified Muslim faith. So I've always thought about that of like, what message is the church sending the Christian church in our community if we don't work together? And I think you had a stat from the faith and flourishing. Cool. About people wanting to see yeah. churches working together non-christians specifically wanting to see churches working together
0: yeah 68 percent of non-christians said that it was important for them um for churches collaborating with other churches of different faiths to help meet needs in their community so focused on a problem in the city which is something that the forum has always been focused on having yeah. people know the needs of our city and um what's funny is only 72 percent of christians said that mm-hmm. i shouldn't say only it's still high but 68 sure. and 72 were very close together
2: hmm I think when churches are unified in a very visible way, um, which again, what does church unity look like and what is that visibility, I think is a deeper conversation because it's not just like an official partnership or doing things together. Um, It might not even require doing things together, but um, yeah, that unity can look differently. But when it's obvious to folks in the community that the church is unified, Uh, I think what it communicates is that the message that we preach and that we say we believe, that we really do believe it and that it's true. Um, One of our favorite verses that we bring up a lot in our work is in John 17 where Jesus is praying for his immediate disciples, but for everybody else who's going to believe in him through their testimony of what they've seen and experienced. Um, so he prays for kind of all the church throughout all time, and he uh, prays that they would be one so that the world would know that Jesus was sent from God and that God loved the world as much as he had loved his own son. And um, And so in that, he's kind of building the case that their unity and love for one another would be proof that the gospel that they preach is true because that's where it's first demonstrated
1: their unity builds trust in
2: Jesus their <laughs> unity builds trust yeah not just in the church but in Jesus yeah. it's kind of like okay you're telling me this story about the world where's the proof yeah you know and oftentimes like you said the proof that we want to give people is like let me show you these archaeological facts about you know or let me sh- let me make a case is for the arc let me can't let me make a case for what character just we-
0: came out of your mouth That's amazing
2: <laughs> that's just how i talk to people <laughs> This is how we this. talk in the office guys um but it's uh we we want to build a case of evidence that's like that that's like yeah. empirical evidence logical whatever and there's a place for that i th- i think when people have questions we should be able to engage in a healthy dialogue about that but the evidence that like really matters is, um, whenever we can show them how we're experiencing the life of Jesus in community with each other and in unity with each other. And I think that's what's really like attractive to people. And, and that's the proof. It's like, okay, you say that you're motivated by the love of Jesus. And the Bible even like calls people out on this, right? He says, yeah. uh, I think in First John, he says, John is writing and he says, if you say that you love other people in the church and somebody has a need and you tell them, I'll be praying for you about it, but you don't do anything to meet that need. How can you say that the love of Jesus is really in you? You know, yep. it's kind of like, okay, I don't believe you. <laughs> and when our when our words don't match our the nature of our relationships, when we say that we want to be humble like Jesus, but our actions look prideful, then people uh, just aren't buying it, you know? They don't believe it.
1: Yeah. This
0: is a topic. <laughs> I know. I feel like we could I, have another episode on yeah. this. Yeah. Multiple things come to mind. If I think of even the Bible, right? We, we see Paul, Timothy, early church leaders going around, you know, going and talking to cities, to communities and saying like, hey, here's the things that you need to be unified around. Mm-hmm. But all of them, a lot of them had different things that they were struggling with. So I think that's going to be common. Mm-hmm. I think we can look at that and say, man, you know, different cultures and contexts, even now, are going to have things that are different. There are different things that we... Are thinking about in Evansville, Indiana, that maybe our friends in Denver, Colorado, Ross Chapman, uh, like are <laughs> thinking about, you know, like, and some of that is good, but we can still focus on the same thing. I do think it's such a great question, like the way even being able to, to show that, like, why is there so much disunity between the church, and I think the the, the example that still blows my mind is thinking of an organization. You know that started inside of of a church and saying hey we have this really great idea to do something great for the city but people wouldn't connect with that organization because it was connected to this other church so they only saw it as like Mm. this is church's thing how do we get past that like that is
1: something well uh, we have church leaders coming to us and saying will you host this event because we would like all christians to come but they won't come to our building because we're not their church and it's like, we don't even trust each other. <laughs> like <yeah>. Right. <laughs> so when you, as a city, you know, you see that or you feel that even that tension, then that already plants a seed of doubt
0: in your mind of, okay, well, what's that church doing wrong then? Is it pride? I mean, is that partially pride that like it's it. like we want it to be our event or our thing? Or um, mm-hmm. is it that we only have so much space in our time and minds that we only focus on the things that are in front of us, which is that our localized institutional church.
2: I feel like just in my own personal experience, that seems to be more, I'm sure for some people, there's an element of pride. I think, I think the barrier for a lot of, um, churches is, um, we've got a lot going on already and collaboration takes a lot of time. Unity takes a lot of time, building trust takes a lot of time and relationship. And um, church leaders are just really busy. So I think, I think a lot of times there's a um, heart for unity, and um, that a lot of churches in Evansville specifically, like really do wish each other well and want sure. each other to be successful, and that there's even a lot of um, trust. And I would also say, too, I think Evansville. I think church unity in Evansville is like pretty strong compared to a lot of other places Uh, like I just know of other cities that I've interacted in in some involved ways or I have friends who are there who are like they look at what's happening in Evansville with the church and they're like man we really want that level of trust and collaboration here I think part of it is it has to be more than just uh, church leaders, too. Like, it has to be individual Christians and communities seeing themselves as part of something broader. To not just see themselves as part of the church that they attend. That's important, too, uh, because that's where their relationships are. That's where their connections are. That's where their main point of trust is. But just to whenever they think about what am I part of, to have a broader lens and to recognize like oh these people that i work with or go to school with or that are in my neighborhood who also are following jesus but maybe are within a different tradition or tr- denomination um to see them as a brother or sister in christ as well yeah. and to operate more that way i guess
0: adrian i have a question for you okay That i think I just know we've we've had this conversation, well, Jonathan, too, but, like, we've had this conversation talking about, like, the thing you just said about, you know, the, I can go to any, uh, your friend who is now uh, Muslim goes to any place and it all looks the same. A lot of mainline churches are similar in that way as well, right? You know, they have, they're reading the same liturgies all over, um, and we're seeing more, I would say, non denominational churches looking at, like, liturgy and things yeah. that. Like, do you think it's maybe focused on that a little bit? Like, they're obviously not all doing the same, but like, if I were to go to a, you know, a, I don't want to give you know any specific type of church, but like, um, in one city and another, and they're reading the same liturgy, that's also very comforting. I never thought about that, but that really is really comforting. That I, th- I mean, my own personal journey is millennial vibe to
1: go back to hymns or liturgy, and and I think I think it does have to do with trustworthiness. Because it's like, I know today that a lot of sermons that I listen to might just be peppered in with what's going on in society or politics or, you know, these things. And I'm like, I just want that filtered out. Just, just give me the gospel. Just give me Jesus. And it's almost like, oh, this has been a liturgy in the church for thousands of years. So, and it's held up. And so it brings me great comfort to know that there is this historical part of the church that I belong to, and that's, that actually reminds me of, um, in Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, It's you know, it's the demon's perspective, and so he's saying, basically, try to get people to think about their church as just this one building. Mm-hmm. Try to get them to stop thinking about the, the capital C church and all its banners and flags and, you know, army of mm-hmm of Christians because that's when they start to like really believe. And I always I think about that a lot is mm-hmm. am I focused on my inward perspective and experience of my church or am I thinking about the larger, grander scale of the Capital C church yeah. and what I'm a part of there.
2: It seems like what the like common liturgies do is it helps to emphasize what makes us the same instead of what makes us different. Yes. And I think it's important to emphasize both. That different churches do have things that make them unique, and those things are valuable. Um, but the most important thing is the thing that makes us the same, that we're all in yeah. Christ and that there are these kind of core fundamental things. And so I think sometimes we get those flipped around and we like to emphasize the thing that makes us unique and, you know, by implication makes us better. You know, that's what we like to emphasize. Instead of saying, here's the thing that makes us the same. It's the most important thing. And here's some things about us that are a unique expression of that within our own local church. And I think if we could get better at doing that, of emphasizing what makes us the same and, and not treating Christianity like it's brand new, or like it's our, you know, like we have this unique innovation of it that makes it better. Um, but instead, saying Christianity's been around, you know, since Jesus was here, and it, and here are the things that have always been the same, and those are the things that are really fundamental. And these other things are kind of nice, and they're like our, they're important, and they're our expression of that within our particular context. But that they kind of fall under fundamental things
0: we you know i think that's something that's um so great about what we get to do we, all of us get to be in spaces with people from a lot of different um you know church backgrounds faith backgrounds denominations um just people who aren't christians who are part of like wanting to make the city better for everybody which you know we see as a gospel centered message mm-hmm. um and i think that's been really really unique you know and I'm really grateful for that that we have the ability um to be able to do that and so I think you know when we think about you know how do we continue to be for Evansville I think as people are are looking at for ways where we say we don't want you as you're listening to not just be in Evansville but to be for Evansville it's to to continue to get to know people in these different spaces and I think a really good example that we were able to um there was a, a tragic event that happened uh in Evansville earlier this year um at uh, one of the local Walmart's, and we gathered some people to pray the next day, and we got people from multiple denominations to just sit in a space and pray for the city, and it was so beautiful because no one was asking like, "What do you believe?" Others you believe that we were yeah. coming around the one main thing, and that was Jesus and the mercy and grace and love of Jesus. And I was like, "Why don't we do this more? <laughs> How yeah. do we get to more of these spaces?" And I know that's hard, and I know that's ultimately what I think people in these surveys are saying is we trust that we don't trust all this other stuff that pops up and puts us in these thoughts or or spaces where we have to be against someone else. We want that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Michael Allen um, leads an organization kind of similar to Fort Evansville in Chicago called Together Chicago, where they do a lot of church unity stuff. And their big emphasis is on reducing gun violence in Chicago. And they have a lot of different angles that they approach that from but um, he talks about unity um, by comparing it to the great chicago fire um, that swept through the city and and really like caused a lot of destruction and he makes this analogy between um, that fire and and gun violence in chicago and he says if you saw uh, this fire sweeping across the city heading for your house heading for your neighborhood um, you're not going to go around and say hey, let me find all the people in my congregation or in my denomination. Let me find all the people who are, uh, you know. hey, do you align with my political beliefs? Okay, well, then come with me. Oh, you don't? Uh, Then stay. You're going to look for everybody who has a water pistol or a bucket or a hose, and you're going to say, let's try to put out this fire. And I think we've seen examples of that in Evansville as well. The one that comes to mind is, and and this is something that we've talked about, that we went to a small meeting of church leaders talking about foster care and how do we help recruit more um, foster families how do we address some of these needs and the meeting was hosted in a ch- in one church, and the other church that was most represented there was a different church that uh, had um, split from this church where the meeting was held and i and it and I know that there's a lot of unresolved, like, relational conflict and hurt in that scenario. But people still showed up and they said, we're here to talk about foster care and we're here to address this need together. And that took priority over some really deep relational wounds and hurts that, that are still very fresh. And I thought, man, that's, that's a really good picture of, like, whenever we really have concern for the people in our city, and that we really want to advance human flourishing in our city, a lot of those differences become maybe not less important, but less inhibiting to us um, toward working together.
1: So to close, what are some ideas that pastors, church leaders can implement in their church to start building trust, unity, relevance, you know, all of these things that we've been tackling? I'll go first so you guys could be thinking because i I was thinking, I'm going to ask this question. So what are my? <laughs> okay, so one very specific thing is I appreciate my pastor sometimes before church he preaches. He will mention somebody by name, another church leader from another church, mm. and he'll say, like their congregation's meeting today. they're talk about this. So it's not only that you know he has a relationship with them, but also that he takes a moment to pray for our church and their church as they hear their message. To me, that is a very subtle but powerful way to say, hey, there are other Christians meeting and they're learning about Jesus too. And we're all part of the same family. So let's pray for them too.
0: That's cool, I like that. Yeah,
1: it's just like a really small, easy step. Um, But then I think another one is as we were more broad, as we were talking about a lot of the stories that come out in national media that tear down trust is we're just seeing that policies are being having to be made about abuse and things like that where i think churches really need to start addressing that and building those policies and saying like we don't have something in place but let's put something in place so that when something does arise like our church trusts the process rather than they trust that we're going to make up a good process on yeah. the fly because it happened to us. Right. You know, planning ahead for disaster yeah. rather than...
2: Yeah. Being, pro- being proactive yeah. about it yeah. and owning the fact that um that, that could happen anywhere and we want to be intentional about it.
1: Right. You, and that so. accountability is already in place. Right. So they know yeah. that if they violate that, there will be consequences for them, you mm-hmm. know.
2: So. Yeah. A really clear plan that everybody yeah. knows. I think that's really good. And I think that it can apply not just to like sexual abuse, but, you know, what's the plan for other ways that we're inevitably going to let people down? How are we going to make it right? Right. I know that ahead of time and to communicate that that's something you're thinking about. I I like that. That's a really good one. Um, I think I would just maybe uh, say demonstrating that you're somebody who listens um, and not only to people who are like you even just to demonstrate in in some kind of public way that you're having conversations with people who maybe don't trust the church or or are likely to not trust the church, or just people who are different, I think that builds a lot of trust and demonstrates um, a level of humility and like, oh, if this person is willing to listen to that person, they'd be willing to listen to me, you know, and they would. And they would be somebody that I could tell them something that they don't like without like damaging the relationship. This is somebody who can listen.
0: I have two that come to mind. One is gonna be like an eye roll, I know, but prayer <laughs> I think that the more and more I learn about prayer and I would say praying with, I think taking what you're saying of Adrian of like your pastor saying, hey, this church is doing this, praying with those people um, because what I learn more and more about prayer is it's all all of us aligning to God. Um, And when we all align to God, I think we're more together than apart. Um, And and those things don't need to be long. They can be simple, but being able to pray in unity for specific things. Um, And then the second, I would piggyback specifically on what you said, Jonathan, about listening, especially if you are a pastor and you're going to be teaching on something. What do the people that you're teaching to believe about that already? Um, Instead of listening to maybe um, national headlines and assuming that that's what everyone thinks already, what are the people— Um, that you're already shepherding in your space, whether you're a church of 500 or 50 or 10. Spend time with them. Be in proximity with them. Don't just stand in a space and, and teach them something that you think they believe. I think that's something that Obviously you can hear it's personal for me and that that I think too often we don't spend the time and I I would say I was guilty of that in my time on church stuff, not always listening Mm. to what everyone has and and we're gonna disagree and I think that's healthy and good and we shouldn't all agree in all the same in these spaces because that's how we grow and, and learn and align together.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, this was a long one. We covered a lot in this conversation, but I think if we want the church to be able to show up alongside other people in our city and help address problems and advance human flourishing and and lean into sensitive topics. Um, we have to earn trust and not assume it. And that's something to be intentional about.
1: Yep. So shameless plug for our events. Another great action step is we host events for church leaders. And that's a great way to meet pastors that you normally wouldn't meet. Meet other church leaders maybe that are worship leaders or yeah. youth leaders or something that you would normally connect with. And so that's just a great way to hang out with them, build trust. That's a goal of ours. And so follow us on social. We'll post those and we just ask that you come to them because you never know what you might learn or who you might
2: meet. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave us a comment, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.